So, yes, to save my voice a little bit, um, I've enlisted some volunteers to help me uh, with scripture readings and so on. So when I announce a scripture, if it's highlighted in orange on the piece of paper that you have, then please do come up and, and read it nice and loud through the microphone so that we can all hear that. So I'm getting to finish off this series on firm foundations. Uh, if you remember, we wanted to just kind of encapsulate in this series some of the firm foundations of our faith, the really important things that we need to, to be standing in when we call ourselves Christians. Why would we want to do that? Well, it's good to know what you believe. It's also, you know, for yourself, it's also good to know what you believe so you can share that with other people as well. So we've talked about things that are in the past, dead acts that we don't need to do anymore. We've talked about faith and what that means to us and how important it is. Washings, both baptism, a washing of baptism, very good preach from Claire. I listened to that earlier this week with the aid of Lemsip. Uh, and also Holy Spirit baptism as well. We were so privileged to have Roy last week to talk about that. And now I get to talk about eternity. Well, that's a really big subject, um, which I will not cover the whole of, obviously, in just a few minutes. It is indeed. But let's remind ourselves what we're doing here. Uh, this is from the header piece to this, this, this book, to the Hebrews, this letter to the Hebrews that you'll find in the message. And it tells us that the letter to the Hebrews was written to encourage Christians in a time of trial. So if you're finding some things difficult at the moment, if your faith, if your relationship with Christ seems a little bit distant, this has been, I hope, a good series for you. What does it do? It does that by focusing on the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Jesus is who we need, and Jesus is all that we need. And so in thinking, therefore, about eternity, I want to be thinking in terms of who Jesus is and what Jesus said and what we can look forward to in Jesus in eternity. But let's just take a step back. Let's think about something else. Who here has been to Disney World? Yes, a few cheers. Quite a few people have been to Disney World. Right, somebody then, come up and tell me why I should go to Disney World. Come tell me what, how great Disney World is. Yeah, come on, Andrew. Come and tell me how great Disney World is and why I should go there. You don't need to do that. I went to Disney World and I liked it. No, it's because... Um, no, I'm not going to find the video. What, what was the question? Why, why should I go to Disney World? Um, why shouldn't you go to Disney World? No, I'm asking you. No, no, so I actually have to answer it. Um, because, because it's fun, and then you get to meet all your favorite characters from all your favorite um, Disney movies. Okay. Who are favorite characters? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse, some others. Uh, Mickey Mouse's friends. Mickey Mouse's friends. Uh... Come on, somebody else, come and tell me why I should go to Disney World. Come on, come and tell me. Well, speak loud. Well, it, it needs to go on the tape for people to hear. So come down here. I know, I'm not a millennial. Only go to Disney World if you enjoy Disney. 
Only go to Disney World if you enjoy Disney. Judy. If you go back, if you go to Disney World, particularly Magic Kingdom, of which there is a picture there with the tower, you will be transported back to being a child. Lydia. Um, I remember hugging Winnie the Pooh. And, um, and I went when I was 19. And, uh, <laughs> it's just funny how I went with a group of people when I was doing my YWAM training. Sorry, story. And the thing was, we were pushing small children out of the way <laughs> to get to Winnie the Pooh. This is encouraging people to sin now. I can see it. That's, thank you. Thank you, everybody. I'm about to ruin Christmas. Can I do it? Is it all right? Children, you might, young people, there's no children here. There's some, you might want to cover your ears. Young at heart, you might want to cover your ears. Here's the big news. Disney World is fake. What? Disney World is fake. It's a facade. Behind all of that glitz, behind all that gorgeous, bright-colored plastic, there's nothing. There's nothing. Just girders and framework. It's a facade. Underneath the costumes are people. People like you and me. Ordinary people. I said I was about to ruin Christmas. Look, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy things. Some of those fantasies, they're fun, aren't they? It's great to enjoy, but we mustn't get carried away. I know people for whom Disney World is it. They go back again and again. It could be Disney World. It could be Star Wars and Comic Con. It could be Harry Potter World. Who's been to Harry Potter World? Anybody? You're all good Christians. Oh, no, sorry. Someone who's been to <laughs> Harry Potter World. <laughs> that was mean. It's really good. But, you know, these are worldly, temporary things. But some people do build so much on them. And fantasies are okay in their place. But some people think that Christianity... Some people think our relationship with God. Some people think the stories of Jesus are like that. Some people think that. They think it's a fantasy. They think it's a crutch. Some kind of blind hope to get you through the day, you know, with occasional visits to buoy your spirits back up on a Sunday morning or something and keep that dream alive. That's how some people think. But we know, at least I hope you know, and I hope if you don't, maybe I can start to maybe bring you closer to knowing there is something bigger, something better, something eternal about knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. We said, didn't we, one of the things I said in my first talk, that you know it's time to move on from childish things. It's okay to be childlike. It's okay to enjoy 
Disney, if that's your thing, Harry Potter, if that's your thing, all of those kinds of things. Do you know, I think that actually it takes a certain degree of imagination and willingness to accept what we cannot see as real to become a Christian. Of course it does. But we need to know the reality of what Jesus said and the reality of what he stands for so that we're not like children constantly crying out to be fed and keep me safe and remind me again and again and again that I'm okay, that Jesus is real. But we can be like those eagles soaring on our faith in Christ and knowing, knowing, knowing what the future holds as well as what the present holds for us now. It's time to move on to grown-up things. And so we might put our hope in some things in this life. You know, I put my, my hope in the fact that my car got me here this morning. If it hadn't have done, there might have been a phone call to say, um, can somebody else preach or come and get me or something? But there's something more to it than that. Paul wrote this to the church in Corinth, trying to bring together that there's more in Christ more hope than just what we have for the now and the here. He said, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, Adam, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order. And Paul goes on to explain what's going to happen. He says, Christ, the first fruits. Then at his coming, at the coming of Christ, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. If in Christ we only have hope for the here and now, this life that we live, Paul says... We're most to be pitied of all men. That's strange, isn't it? What is he saying? He's saying, look, you're giving, you're giving yourself over to something. You're giving up all of the, of the, the so-called freedoms you think you could have for a Christ who isn't risen from the dead. What kind of fools are you? But he's saying, no, Christ is risen from the dead, the first fruits of many. And so our hope isn't just for the here and now. My hope in Christ isn't so just so that I can, you know, enjoy that now and maybe live a better life and maybe know the security of God's love now. It's for far more than that. And that's why people maybe look at us as Christians and, and kind of tut-tut and shake their heads, and pity, because they don't see what else there is. 
It's, it's encapsulated, isn't it, when we're out as town pastors, those of you who do that on the streets. Why would you clear up my sick in the middle of the night? Well, why would I if there wasn't a higher purpose in that? And the higher purpose is to share the love of Jesus, who we know and in whom we trust, not for the now, but for the future and for eternity as well. I was reminded of some bumper stickers. Do you remember this bumper sticker? It's going back some years. It's been going about 30 years, this one, from the Dogs Trust. A dog is for life and not just for Christmas. We know what the message they're trying to bring, don't we? It's no good giving somebody a puppy at Christmas time if they're not going to invest their whole life in looking after that being, that dog. It's not a rag doll to be discarded. It's not this year's latest game to be played once and thrown away. A dog is for life, not just for Christmas. But did you ever see this variant? God is for life, not just for Christmas. God is for life, not just for Christmas. We're coming up to the Christmas season. And that means so much to so many people. I could have found you a clip from Disney World of them celebrating a Disney Christmas. And it's, oh, yeah, it did make me feel, it turned my stomach. I decided I could not show it to you. It was just so Disney. And then what's the most depressing advert on the television? And I saw the adverts for it this week and I thought, no, the Coca-Cola truck. Oh, what has that got to do with Christmas? God is for life, not just for Christmas. Some people just maybe float around the whole God thing, float around the whole Jesus thing. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, little baby in a manger. Isn't that lovely? But they don't see the bigger picture. God is for life, not just for Christmas. Who's got the scripture uh, John 14, 1 to 7. I think that one was Paul, wasn't it? John 14, 1 to 7. Come and speak into the microphone for the podcast. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Jesus, famous words, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not just for this life, but for the life to come as well. Jesus says, in my father's house, he's painting a picture, are many rooms. Some translations say many mansions. If it wasn't like that, I would have told you, he said. But it is. And I go, Jesus says, to prepare 
a place, a room, a mansion for you. There is more to Jesus and his message of love and compassion and knowing God more than just the world that we see and the world that we live in. There is so much more. He has gone to prepare a place for you and for me. That's just so refreshing and so encouraging and such amazing good news, which gives us hope. It gives us hope, far more hope than we might have that, okay, my life's going to be good today or my life's going to be good tomorrow. Because don't you know, being a Christian doesn't mean that every single day is gorgeously sweet and light and everything goes your way and everything's fun and people just part as you drift through this wonderful life without any trouble or any strife or difficulties. No. Jesus said, you know, in this world you can have a bit of trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. And so we know that wonderful overcoming in this life, but there's more. It's not just for now. It's for the life to come. We have hope in Christ for so many things. Our hope in Christ, as I've been trying to say, extends beyond the grave. What do we mean by that? It extends beyond that point in time when unless Jesus comes, you and I are going to die. So that sink in. We need to get this into perspective. The world thinks we're going to live forever. It does that by putting on makeup and having surgery and, and pretending that everything's okay. We know we're going to live forever because of Christ. What did Paul have to say about that? No, my next reading is 1 Thessalonians 4. There's two people with Thessalonians. Someone's got 1 Thessalonians 4. Someone's got 1 Thessalonians 5. We want the 4. There we go. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Thank you for encouraging us with those words. Are you encouraged by those words? Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be uninformed. Brothers, sisters, those who are asleep in the Lord. Yes, we grieve because we've lost our loved ones, those who are close to us. But we also know that hope. That because Jesus died and rose again, we can believe him in what he said. And that we too will be raised at that last time. And Jesus will come, descending from heaven with a cry of command. More about that 
later on. But this is good news. This is news of a God who isn't just for Christmas, but is for life and life eternal. And that hope that we have in Christ is secure. It is secure. We might not know the day. Jesus said, look, even the Son of Man doesn't know the day. So anybody telling you that they know that Christ is coming next week is seriously mistaken. There's been so many people that have said that. One thing in common, they are all wrong. Okay? We don't know when that day will be. But even so, our hope in Christ is Secure. Who's got the 1 Thessalonians 5? Brilliant. Let's be encouraged by this as well. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This isn't about not having sleep at night, okay? Um, I could do with a bit more sleep at night, I must admit. This is not about being asleep at night. This is about being asleep to to what is going on. This is not about night and day. This is about the darkness, spiritual darkness, of not knowing what God is doing. We live in the light of Christ. We live in the light of revelation of him as the Son of God, of him as our Savior and our Lord, and in him, in the light of him who said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. So yes, we might sleep. But as we sleep, it's not the sleep of darkness, of no hope, of despair. It's the sleep of light, knowing that we will wake in the morning. And if we don't wake in the morning, Jesus has got that sorted as well. Therefore, encourage one another. Do you encourage each other? Do you encourage each other that actually, if there's trouble in this world, Jesus has got it. Jesus has that in his hands. It's more about how we live through those times than, 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 than whether we have those times or not. Do you encourage each other? The Lord is coming. Sometimes we forget that. Maybe we don't live that kind of way. Paul is saying we should. We should encourage each other. That day is coming. And if there's one thing we do know about the timing, it's that it's nearer today than it was yesterday. That's the one thing we can say. So we don't have to get all, all crazy about that. We don't have to go wild and, and hair shirty. But we do have to know that Jesus is coming. And that means something to me and how I live. And that means something to me and what I speak and say and do to my neighbors and my family. 
So we don't know when that day is going to be. But we live in the light, not the, not the nighttime. We live in the light and the day, not the dark and the light. But there's something that I can really assure you. And that is, you will know. You will know. If it happens, if Jesus comes while we are physically alive, we will not mistake that. Who's got Matthew 24? Thank you, Ross. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven and power with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will be gathered, his elect, from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Thank you. Those are words of Jesus. Okay? Jesus says it's going to be cataclysmic. It's going to be unmistakable. It's going to be powerful when the Son of Man, when Jesus himself comes. Sun darkened. Moon not giving its light. Stars falling from heaven. Whatever you may read about what that looks like in the heaven is, you and I and those people do not know. It's going to be so different. It's going to be so unmistakably God. How do I know that? All the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. All The tribes of the earth will mourn. It's going to be so big that nobody will be in any doubt as to what is going on. So the coming of the Son of Man. Why have I concentrated on some of these scriptures that talk about what is going to happen in terms of Jesus returning rather than describing to you All of the amazing things in Revelations about what it's going to look like, how the new city will be this massive cube so many miles on an edge, how all the dogs are going to be outside the city walls, sorry pet lovers, all these kinds of things. Why have I concentrated on that? Because we said it's the supremacy and sufficiency of Jesus that we need to get firmly deeply rooted inside of us as a foundation of our faith. There's some lovely stuff in Revelations. In Revelations, it says you're going to read this and it'll bless your boots. It does indeed. It's great stuff. But you can get hooked a little bit too much into trying to understand every single little symbolism of that. If you want to research that, bless you. Bless you, because the book says it will bless you doing it. But far before that, you need to have deep inside of you the fact of our eternal existence to come in Christ Jesus. It's that foundation in Christ which changes us. It's that foundation in Christ which empowers us. And it's that foundation in Christ and the things that he has said that gives us security and faith and hope 
and all of those things. Because there are consequences. There are consequences to this whole story. Who's got Matthew 25, please? Oh, you've got the tough one. Don't shoot the messenger. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you will be blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Thank you. That's going to be an eternal judgment. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, this is Jesus' words again, and all of the angels with him, then he, Jesus, will sit on his glorious throne and all the nations will be gathered before him and he'll separate people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep on his right, what's the position on the right? Authority and inheritance, all of those things. The people who are with you are on your right. But the goats are going to go on the left. What's the position on the left? Right. The left. What do we call left in Latin? Sinister. Left is a not a good place to be. Okay? And if you read on in Matthew 25, and I, and I recommend that you do, Jesus tells us what is going on here. The sheep... The ones on his right, the accepted ones, the ones who are going to inherit the kingdom, the sheep are those who ministered to others sacrificially, who gave of themselves, who lived as Jesus called them to live. The goats, they didn't. The goats looked out for number one. The goats looked out for themselves alone. So this wonderful good news of an eternal life comes with a little bit of a problem, and that is judgment. Jesus goes on in Matthew 25 to say, those on the left, they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And I want you to see something really kind of important here, that actually... The sheep and the goats were differentiated not by whether they said, Oh, most holy Lord, but whether they actually did as Jesus led, as Jesus commanded, as Jesus' example, and gave of themselves, or looked out for number one. What does that say to me, to bring that together? That's about our heart attitude. Our heart attitude, knowing God, knowing Jesus, seeing him as Lord and Savior changes us from the inside out. And if you're worried about whether you're going to be a sheep, you're probably okay. Because if you're worried about it, you're probably not going to be a goat. But even so, let's examine ourselves as well. Because it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 
the, the letter to the Corinthians, Paul says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All. No exceptions. So that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or whether evil. So eternal life comes with a bit of a, you know, a bit of a problem. In Romans, Paul says this, For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So there's this wonderful good news, this wonderful hope of in Christ, we can look forward to life eternal. But let's be sure where we stand in Christ. Let's be sure where our heart attitude is. Let's be sure how we're following, because we will have to give an account. But there's some good news here as well. I said, if you're worried about that, you probably shouldn't be. But there's some good news here as well. Also in Romans, Paul says, uh, gives us reason not to fear. He says this, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's, that's so good to know. That is so good to know. For those who are in Christ Jesus. For the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So we need, don't we? We need to be looking at this and thinking, what is my position? Am I in Christ? Do I know him? So we have this amazing, great hope. That's not one. We don't want that one. Uh, Janice, you've got the revelations, haven't you? We're going to finish this one off. Um, This is an amazing scripture. Go with it. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. There is an amazing future to come. Eternity is just going to, 
I don't know. It's going to sing with God's glory. This new heaven and this new earth is just going to be as every fantasy world would love it to be. Love it to be. A new dwelling place for man with God. For God with man. Every tear wiped away. Death no more. No more mourning. No crying. No pain. For all those things have passed away. All of the promise of Disney World, but for real. Not a facade. Not a piece of highly colored plastic with just scaffold behind it. But an amazing, true, wonderful eternity with our God. Look around you. You know, we sometimes say, don't we, that, that we're, we're all Christians, we're all part of the family of God. If you don't get on with somebody in the church, well, you better do something about that because we're going to be spending a lot of time together. But how much of that is really in our hearts? Have you got a closing? Do you want to come up, band, now? How much of that is really in our hearts? I want to... We've had a lot of scripture there. Maybe a lot of encouragement as well. But what we really, really need to do is bring that, that hope, home to where we live. That needs to be inside. It needs to be in a place in my, in my soul, if you like, that can't be taken away. It needs to be deep in my, with my spirit. So that whatever difficulties or trials come my way, nothing inside, in that secret place where I live, is changed. I don't know what you think about your pastor. I hope you don't think that I'm the perfect Christian. I hope you don't think that as I move around this earth, I'm like two inches above the world, and, and no soil or muck or anything ever ever touches me. Janice knows it's not. That's not it. And if I put my trust in something earthly, in a person of this world, I'm lost. But if I put my trust in Christ, in Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was dead, but then raised from the dead, the one who was sent by the Father, the one who gave up all that he had in heaven to come and live on this earth as you and I do, in the dust, in amongst all of the rubbish, and yet to be raised from that place because he was without sin. We need to get that deep, deep, deep inside. And so I'm going to bring this home. We need that personal connection. We need that revelation of faith that sits inside and cannot be moved. And for me, it's in this scripture from Job. And when I read this, I don't read it as if it's Job, a real, maybe an allegorical figure from the Bible. I don't read it as Job, something in a book. I don't read it as something from Harry Potter or Star Wars or any of those things. When I read this, I read it for me. For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he my Redeemer, will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, 
whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. That is deep inside. That is deep inside me. That is where I go in the blackest, darkest of difficult times. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know. Is that true for you? Do you have that, those similar kinds of words deep inside of your spirit that are unshakable and unchangeable and act as your, your anchor of faith and hope? That it's not just about today. It's not just about now. It's not just about this world that we see. But we believe in a God. We believe in a personal Savior, Jesus, who is coming again and who I will see in my flesh, even though it's been destroyed, who I will behold, not somebody else, me. And he will then come and gather each of us who know him and and take us to this amazing place called eternity. I want to appeal to you. I want to appeal to you. We're going to start singing in a moment. Um, Just as we do, I want to ask you, Do you have that assurance in your life? Is eternity assured? Is eternity a real thing? Can you taste it as we've been talking today? As those scriptures have been read, does does something come up inside of you that says, yes, amen, hallelujah? Or are you thinking, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. What we see around us, is only part of what there is in God. It's only a shadow of reality. The heavenlies and the eternity is real. If you don't know that, come and speak to me afterwards. Speak to someone who you know here, who knows Jesus that close. Let's share that. Let's pray for you to see and have that revealed to you as truth, that your life will start in a new direction today. Now is the day when your life can change. Now is the day when your life can go in that new direction.